Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Dr. Darcy Broughton, a physician at Pacific Northwest Fertility. Dr. Broughton is the ideal person to be with us this morning to share some important insights about infertility and challenges with getting pregnant, as this is National Infertility Awareness Week. Dr. Darcy Broughton, it is so great to have you with us this morning. Oh, it's so wonderful to be here. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. Because, you know, this is going to be a really important educational time that we're sharing. Because even though I've had the opportunity, a really wonderful opportunity, to speak with your colleagues in the past about Northwest infertility, it still is a subject that is, you know, really feels as though it runs under the radar for those of us who are not really directly touched by it, would you agree that that's the case? I absolutely agree with you. Yes, there's there's still a big stigma around infertility, and um, that's unfortunate because it should be something that we're talking more about. Um, it's really an incredibly common issue and problem in this country. You know, one in eight couples struggle with infertility, and um, we should be talking about it more. And that is the huge number: one in eight. That's a very high percentage. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's more people than are affected by many types of cancer and diabetes. And it's really incredibly prevalent. And you're right. It, it really runs under the radar for, for a lot of us. Um, and we're trying to change that. And which is why we're here today, of Absolutely. course, to have this conversation. And it's really uh, not that it isn't important to discuss at any time, but this week is a real big focus on it because it is designated as Infertility Awareness Week. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So April 21st through 29th is National Infertility Awareness Week, and it's sponsored by an advocacy group called Resolve. And it started back in 1989, and it really has gained a lot of traction and um, we our hope is that we can spend the week discussing these issues and talking about the struggle that, that people face that are dealing with infertility and bring awareness to the topic. Absolutely. And so in terms of it just really beginning in 1989, the organization Resolve really shows that we haven't discussed it. Why, where there was perhaps then the stigma that you just didn't discuss it. Absolutely. I think it's a lot of thing, like a lot of things in reproductive health. I think um, we're nervous about talking about it and bringing it to the forefront. Um, and I think um, a lot of women and couples struggling with infertility, there's a lot of sort of discomfort and shame associated with that. And um, there absolutely shouldn't be. And it's such a common issue. And um, the more we talk about it, the more people can support each other. And become aware that they're not the only one. Absolutely. One in eight couples. That's, as we said, a huge percentage. Absolutely. And I think infertility can be very isolating for people. Um, and you're exactly right. The more that you can realize that there's people going through exactly what they're going through, um, I think that can be empowering and um, really help support people in the process. So let's just take a, a look at it from those of us um, that are aware of someone in our circle, mm -hmm. family, friend, who may be dealing with infertility. How can we best be supportive? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, I think just asking them how they're doing and really being open to a conversation about it um, and, you know, bringing up connections that you have to other people that have struggled with the same issues. Um, and I think even talking about, you know, 
infertility in the lay media and people that have really come forward and shared their their struggle and their journey. Um, I think just opening up a conversation with people can be really helpful. So that is something to really keep in mind because, you know, there are going to obviously with the statistics, more of us who are not dealing with it to be more sensitive to our friends and our family members. Then for that individual, for those couples that are dealing with the infertility, what is great is that there is more help and support and research that's been going on, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. The field is really moving forward incredibly quickly. And that's one of the really exciting parts of my job is that um, we're really on the cutting edge of technology. And, you know, every year there are more things coming forward that we're able to talk to and offer to patients as potential treatments for this range of disorders. And that's really exciting for me as a physician, but I think it should be really empowering to people that are dealing with this because there's so many options available to them now. And I really encourage people to reach out and come talk to us because, we have a lot to offer. And so thinking in terms of your position as a physician, going back, rolling the calendar back just a few years, how is it that you chose this as your specialty? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I really always had a passion for women's health. So through medical school and, um, you know, my training, I've just really wanted to be an advocate and a caregiver to women. And um, really, in medical school, I discovered a passion for fertility medicine, and it's really a unique subspecialty because we're able to follow women and couples over time and really help them build their families. And it's a longitudinal relationship that is um, really wonderful, and can but can also be challenging. And it was really motivating for me to to take that journey with people. Um, and it's incredibly rewarding because, as I mentioned, we have so many tools in our toolbox now to, to try to help people. Um, and so my job is really wonderful and rewarding every day. And you were mentioning, Darcy, the cutting edge aspect of where we are today. And I think in particular with uh, Pacific Northwest Fertility, there's just re- this clinic it is a clinic, right? It is. Yes. Yeah. Is is really doing amazing things for women and yeah. families. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, the the field in is fairly new, especially when we talk about IVF or in vitro fertilization, which has really only been around since the eighties. But the strides that we have made in advancing the technology in the field are huge. And so the success rates now for IVF and, and other fertility therapies are much higher than they have been in the past. And you know, that's exciting for, for us and so wonderful for people that are struggling because success rates are, are getting better and better and more and more people are able to have the families that they want to have. Um, and so I feel very fortunate to work at a place that really keeps moving forward um, and offering the latest and greatest to people um, to help them be successful. And in that comes some of the what disparity that exists, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. understandably, it's not uh, inexpensive yes. to pursue this path, and um, and we need to also mention how sometimes insurance helps and sometimes it hasn't that sort of thing. But also, even with that, sometimes it's we kind of see a difference between the haves and have-nots, if you will. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a huge issue. You know the the theme of National Infertility Awareness Week um, this year is infertility uncovered. 
And um, that's kind of a play on words and has a double meaning because we want to uncover infertility in terms of the stigma and be able to talk about it. But it's also a call to action because infertility um, can be an incredibly expensive um, path of treatment. And unfortunately, the majority of people in this country do not have insurance benefits that that cover infertility services. It's over 60 percent of people don't have fertility benefits. And that's a huge barrier to to accessing care. Um, and we we see that reflected in, you know, a smaller proportion of people in this country have access to fertility coverage than elsewhere. And it's a huge it's a huge issue and something that um, we're hoping to change. So here in Washington, our situation is a little unique in that way. We have coverage, but it's different, a different kind of coverage? Yeah. So it's interesting. Actually, only 10 states in the United States mandate insurance coverage for fertility. Um, and that number is, can, is growing, which is excellent. And it was really exciting in the fertility community. Really, just in the past two months, New York became the 10th state to offer fertility, to mandate fertility coverage for large companies. Washington does not currently have an insurance mandate. Um, I do feel fortunate to work in a place where we have a lot of big employers that have really made fertility coverage a part of their platform that they offer to to employees, especially a lot of the big tech companies. Um, And so that helps us here in Washington state, but we're always hoping and moving towards a mandate in more than 10 states is the goal. Absolutely. Yes. So that's that's really slow to change on that front. It is. And so that that also brings up the the part of really needing to get there is that part of the medical diagnosis that um, infertility is regarded at at least in some circles or in some ways of thinking as a disability. So that puts it in a special category. Absolutely. And you know, that also has been sort of a long time coming for us and is really the me- the recognition of infertility as a medical diagnosis and a medical problem. And, you know, the World Health Organization recognizes it as a disability. And our, our professional society, the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, recognizes that it's really a dysfunction of a, of a major body system, which is the reproductive system, and it hugely impacts quality of life for people. And I think it's important to realize that in the medical community, that this is a medical issue and should be treated as such. And I think then that should be part of the foundation for insurance coverage Um, when you identify it that way, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, you know, a a lot of the advocacy work that has gone on to expand insurance benefits for fertility have really focused on the fact that that it's a medical problem just like other medical problems, like diabetes and high blood pressure and other chronic illnesses. And um, that you're right, that's the foundation of the argument that we should really be treating it as such. And a lot of the patient advocacy groups that that are active, especially Resolve, which sponsors National Infertility Awareness Week, that's one of their major goals is is to bring, you know, infertility out into the open. But, you know, the a side benefit of that is to hopefully have people recognize that it that it should be covered. So that is significant because the financial part of it uh, plays a big role for us, and it's important to 
to understand, have that awareness, but then to really go under the surface further uh, in terms of how it affects one in eight couples and what it might do to them um Mentally, that too is is a big issue, and you know, then it has so many ramifications. Absolutely, yes. The ramifications are really far-reaching for people. You know, beyond just their own families, and you know, infertility can affect many things. It can affect relationships in a broader family unit. It can affect social standing in a community. And it can affect people's health in other ways. And so we see a really high rate of other comorbid conditions, especially mental health conditions and people struggling with infertility. The rates of anxiety and depression are extremely high. And, you know, this really affects life on a broader scale. And I think it's important for all of us to recognize that. Yeah. So we can see why you know, even further, it's so important to recognize this, to to be compassionate, to be proactive in in terms of having change happen. Absolutely, um, absolutely, and and recognition is a big part of that, and and that's a lot of what this week is about. I should say, and it's really great that we have this opportunity to have this conversation and to heighten awareness because it's so easy because if seven out of eight couples have no issues, we think, oh, well, well, there isn't really a problem. Maybe there's even a lack of compassion thinking, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. And and that would, of course, be virtually a slap in the face. Absolutely. And I, you know, I think there's there's always a thought that um, having having children is a choice and um, fertility treatment in some ways is elective. Um, But I think for a lot of people that are going through it, that's really not true. And if you think about the ability to have a family, um, that's really fundamental to who we are as humans. And when that is not able to happen for you. Um, it's hugely discouraging, and it really feels like um, a failure of something that you absolutely should be able to do. And I see that every day in the clinic, um, women and couples really struggling with what feels like a betrayal of their own their own bodies. And um, it's it's really hard. It can be a hard journey for a lot of people. And um, you know, our goal is to help as much as we're able to. And then we look at communities such as the LGBTQ and also gender nonconforming is another area where fortunately, I think we're building more understanding, compassion, but still there's that even a smaller margin, but there's really support and help for these couples as well, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, that, you know, this is really a passion of mine and a passion of ours at Pacific Northwest Fertility is to help families, you know, in of all shapes and sizes to, um, to build their families. And, you know, talking about infertility as a medical diagnosis, I think it's also important to realize that many families need help to, to build the families that they want to. And that includes members of the LGBTQ community. Um, And in that scenario, we're often talking about something called third-party reproduction, which is where families don't have the right combination of eggs and uterus and sperm to build their families, and they come to us to 
um, to use third-party reproduction to help with that. And I think it's important to remember this week that that those couples and and families need help as well. Um, and it's really exciting for us with the technology that we have now that we have a range of options to talk about with them, which is wonderful. And so that is actively happening here, right in our Puget Sound area, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And and Seattle is a is a great place for me to practice with the goal of really reaching out to that community and. Um, and helping them have their families. And so that's, it's an exciting time um, from that perspective, and, and it, it's really wonderful to see. There was something on the news just recently about a, a couple who had just had a child. It was the mother of one of the partners who carried the baby but used a combination Oh, I don't remember now. But anyway, it yes, it, it requires quite a creative approach, but it is their own child. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, you're exactly right. We have many creative ways now to help people build their families. And whether we're talking about using, you know, donor sperm or donor egg or in that scenario, a gestational carrier or People think of that as a as a surrogate, right, to carry a pregnancy for women that are unable to carry. Those are all wonderful options for people. And we're often using a combination of multiple strategies to help people. And it's wonderful for me to be able to talk through that with couples and families. So then thinking of, you know, what a broad spectrum we have of things going on and things to think about, then focusing in on coming to Pacific Northwest Fertility, uh, how does that get started? Does someone maybe hear about you word of mouth or look for you on the Internet? What happens? Yeah, we, we certainly have a big online presence. We have a website if you just Google Pacific Northwest Fertility and it's really easy to take that first step to come in and see us. So all you have to do is is give us a call to set up a first appointment. And often at that first appointment, we're discussing um, medical history and how long people have been trying and what their goals for their family are. And really making a plan with people as to how we can investigate what's going on and really think about a treatment that makes sense for them. And as I mentioned, we have so many options now, and the everyone has a path that's right for them. And it might not be the same path for everyone, and we recognize that. And so a huge part of my job is to listen and to figure out what people's goals are and also to support them through this process. So, you know, it, it can be arduous and it can take its toll on people, and we try to do our best to offer support and resources to people that are that are on this journey because we recognize the challenges. It sounds like a lot of relationship building in the process, right? Absolutely. It's a very intimate relationship with people and with couples. Um, they're really opening up to you and um, we get to hear about their dreams for their future and their lives. And that's a powerful thing. And we take it very seriously. And it's a privilege and an honor for me to get to do that every day. And um, relationships are really important. And we um, put a lot of emphasis on that at Pacific Northwest Fertility. And I think it allows us to care for patients as best as we're able. And starting then the process of having a first appointment, further appointments, like the first one, would it be 
a fairly lengthy appointment? Yeah. You know, I, I feel very fortunate that we're able in that first meeting with people to spend a full hour sort of talking through everything and and really getting a complete picture of what's going on and what people's goals are moving forward. And, um, you know, that's a luxury in medicine these days mm-hmm. to be able to sit down with someone for an hour. And I don't take it for granted, but I think it's important. And it's an important part of that, figuring out what people want um, in future and helping them to get there. And so going on that basis of the time invested, the time that it takes, is the success meaning being able to come to having that infant, creating the family, is the success rate really pretty high? It is, and it's getting better all the time. And I'm glad you brought this up because I think for women and couples going through this, by the time they come to see us, they can often feel pretty hopeless and pretty defeated. And a major goal that we have is to have people leave and be hopeful about the future. And the success rates of a lot of our fertility treatments have improved significantly. And, you know, we were talking about IVF before. And in the early days of IVF, it was really rare to have that technology be successful. And now um, it's the opposite, that we really are able to see success rates and live birth rates, you know, above 60 percent from an IVF cycle. And that's really exciting for us. And it's a message that we're trying to get out to the community that, um, there's a lot of reasons to be hopeful and there are a lot of ways to build your family and we can be creative and we can be persistent and um, hopefully help people to, to actualize their dreams for the future. So we're really living at a good time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's only going to get better, which is also exciting And I think the more we can talk about and be open to different ways to build your family um, will only improve things further and open things up to more to more people. Um, But I I do think the coverage aspect of it is so important because financially it's really a barrier for a lot of people that don't have insurance coverage and you know, in this country now, an IVF cycle is over $20,000. And that's obviously cost prohibitive for a lot of people. And that unmet need is there. And it's hard for us who, you know, physicians that wish we could um, take care of everyone that that wants fertility care. Um, And as we talked about before, it's certainly a goal for the future, but um, the barriers to access are there. And so that's where all of us come into play is petitioning for that, pushing for this. Absolutely. And obviously there's a lot we can do as physicians sort of talking about our experience and and trying to care for this community. But I think it's so powerful to hear from people that are actually going through it. And that's one of the big things that patient advocacy groups, uh, including Resolve, really push for is to bring patient stories out into the open and, you know, to advocate for Um, change at the state level, at the federal level, and um, really sort of pushing lawmakers to think about expanding mandates um, beyond the 10 states that have them now. And that's hugely powerful and um, a huge part of what this week is about. And so this is about encouraging people 
to not take it as, as that negative, as the stigma that there's something wrong with them, is, is to feel encouraged to come forward, to really tell that story so it helps us to make progress. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, another goal of talking about things is to build bridges and to form connections with people. And um, that can be hugely powerful to people that are going through anything in their lives, finding people that are having a similar experience and and building connection and getting support from people um, that know what you're experiencing. And there's no substitute for that. But the only way we can do that is is to talk about it and um, to recognize how common an issue it is and to um, break down the stigma and the barriers and the walls around it and say, this is happening to us. This is a big part of our lives and we want to talk about it. Does it ever happen that you bring together some of your patients, the clients, to roundtable, to to kind of build that community so that they might forge forward together? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's That happens a lot in the community. And actually, Seattle is um, a really a great place to be in terms of access to support. And, and I would encourage people... There are many patient-led support groups out there, and so Resolve.org has a list of local support groups, and there are many. Um, and those groups of folks meet to talk about things, and they, you know, it's it's not just about talking about experiences and providing support, but it's about um, moving things forward in the community and volunteering and putting on events and um, advocating, you know, at state capital and and in Washington D.C. And so there's really a lot of opportunities for people that want to be part of that community. And as we've been discussing, that need is so great of all of us uh, because. In some way, we're all affected and touched by this to really rally together and support each other in in making change take place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you think about how common an issue it is, but a lot of us don't even know the people in our lives that are struggling or that have gone through fertility treatment in the past. And um, and we're hoping that will change in future and people will feel more open talking about it. Um, But. There certainly has been a stigma, but it's getting it's getting better. It's definitely getting better. With having a week that we're saying this is Awareness Week, that's certainly a, a major step forward. It is, it is, and it's you know been recognized at the national level as as really um, you know a, a week that about an important health issue, and we feel empowered by that. And I think all members of the infertility community feel empowered by that and they and they should because it's recognition of how important this topic absolutely is. Yes. Well, you certainly have a heart and a passion for it yourself. I mean, putting yourself into this line of work because you were feeling that pull, but you're also feeling, I think, or, or am I? I'm not going to put words in your mouth, how you feel about your work and what you're doing. Yes, I feel so lucky to have a job that I am passionate about. That's all any of us can hope for, I think. But yes, my work feels important and rewarding. And there are certainly days and we really are on a journey that can be challenging with our patients that we take care of. But the successes are so huge. They're so huge. And it's really amazing to see people be successful in building their families. And 
there's really nothing to compare it to, I would say. So you then do continue through once there is a pregnancy to seeing the end result, to seeing that baby, that infant come into the world. Oh, it's it's so exciting. So, you know, we take care of women through the early part of their pregnancy in the first trimester, and then they often go back to their obstetrician for care during their pregnancy. But the most exciting thing for us is to see babies when they're brought to visit at the office or when we get baby announcements, which we always ask for. And um, also seeing people come back to us to have their second or their third or their fourth baby. And it really is a relationship that grows and builds over time. And it's really wonderful, wonderful and um, empowering. That it, yes, it sounds like just the ideal. So what's important is to know we have this resource. If someone knows is struggling or know someone who is, how do they reach out to you? Yeah, so you um, you can easily find us on the internet at pnwfertility.com. Um, and it's really easy to come in for that first appointment. We really try to have as few barriers as possible. Um, you're also, in, you can absolutely speak with your own healthcare provider, whether it's a primary care doctor or your general OBGYN and chat with them about issues and struggles that you're having, and they're easily able to refer you um, to a fertility specialist to talk more about that. And I think it's really appropriate for women that are under the age of 35, if you've been trying for over a year to get pregnant, it's the right time to come and talk to a fertility doctor. And if you're over the age of 35, we really recommend an evaluation after six months of trying. And I just want to encourage people not to be nervous or scared to come and talk to us. This is what we do all day, every day. And, you know, we want to hear your story and help you move forward. And I'll just underscore that. You're not scary at all. You're just so wonderful to speak with. Oh, thank you. You're so welcome. (laughs) I don't think we're scary. We're not not scary. (laughs) So there's the word. There's the invitation for so many things to pursue this path and also the path of making change happen in the world for insurance coverage and for all the additional support that's needed. Absolutely. And I think when we've looked at this in studies, you know, and we ask women and couples after they come in for fertility care, the big thing that they say is that we wish we had done that sooner. And I think a big part of that is fear and hopelessness and the stigma that we talked about. But I think people don't regret coming in to seek care and to see us and to make a plan for the future. Well, I am so grateful that we've had this opportunity, Dr. Darcy Broughton, to really put out such positive, uplifting information. Oh, well, thank you so much for inviting me. And this is such an important topic, and I'm really happy to have this platform and to celebrate National Infertility Awareness Week. Well, you are definitely a strong and positive voice for it. Thank you. And with that, we're at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Dr. Darcy Broughton and Sunday Morning Magazine with Adam and Nisha Bremeyer and Terry Yoder. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I so greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, 
Find the podcast on our Warm 106.9 webpage. Click on the on-air tab, then Sunday mornings, and look for the show and guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of celebrating and appreciating life. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Have a glorious Easter day.